Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. You were once a prisoner, held captive by fear, by prejudice, by sin, anger, addiction. But here's the thing, that prison no longer exists. Those walls have been torn down. What once held you captive now lays in ruins. You have been set free, redeemed, renewed, and God continues creating by bringing your soul to life. Where there was a prison, there is now a playground. Where there was despair, we find a wellspring of joy. Where there was death, we are given life. Christ has set us free. So live in that freedom. Lift your voice. Clap your hands. Find your joy and set it free. For you are a prisoner no longer. We're starting a new series today, and I'm excited about it, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this series. Uh, two things. One, I don't know how long it's going to go, uh, because uh, usually when I plan a series, I kind of know, like, the blueprint of where I'm going for, like, four weeks or whatever. Uh, God didn't do that for me this time. He just kind of, like, said, I want you to do a series on my presence, and, and I'll give it to you as we go. <laughs> I said, okay, God. Let's see how you doing, because you know I'm uncomfortable with that. But hey, that's fine. And um, and but that's how the Lord works in my life sometimes, and so I have to trust Him. So we're starting a new series today called Young, Wild, and Free. Somebody say Young. Y'all gotta say it loud. Say Young, Wild, Free. If you're on uh, on the internets, uh, please type that in the comments. Let us know you are here. Let us know where you're watching from. Uh, we're excited to uh, to be a part of your house today and bring you uh, the word. Um, but we are kicking off a new series today called Young, Wild, Free. And it's a series wrapped around uh, the topic and discussion, discussion, not discussion, discussion of the presence of the Lord. Now, for many of us, when we hear the presence of the Lord, most of that has been when we've been taught in many ways that the presence of the Lord is all about worship. Amen. And I don't disagree with that. The presence of the Lord is about worship, but if you limit it to just what you do on Sunday or when your favorite worship song comes on, I feel the presence of the Lord in a car. Amen. Uh, If you limit it to just that, then you're going to miss out on a very, very, very important thing that could really bless your life for a long time. 
And so the presence of the Lord is not just simply something that, that fills the room when our favorite worship song comes on or when we're at church and they sing the right song or, you know, when I get the shakes and I'm about to speak in tongues and run down the room. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. We haven't been in them churches where people are like, well, you just, the presence of the Lord wasn't there because I didn't feel it. Like you got a corner on how, how if you didn't feel the presence of the Lord, he wasn't there. Somehow you got a corner on that. But the devil is a liar. The presence of the Lord is so much more than what we feel, the goosebumps that we get during a Sunday service or a revival service. Amen. And we have to learn this. And, and the Lord's been challenging me and speaking to me about this because if our church is going to be a church that lasts through the times, that, that goes through the, the, the ups and downs and, and the things of ministry like uh, – like we think they should, uh, like we hope it would, amen? Um, we have to learn how to be a kind of church that has the sustaining presence of God, not just Sunday morning presence of God, amen? Not just I got the goosebumps and the presence of God is here. Because if we don't get past this, this minuscule thinking of how the presence of God is to work in our life, we're going to miss out on key opportunities where we can actually be a blessing to people and where we can actually see the hand of God move in our life like never before. And I don't know about you, but my hope and my prayer for you as your pastors that you would see God's hand in your life at all times and always at, all, at any time, any possible way. Amen. My prayer is that when you wake up in the morning, you would see the presence and the hands of God like never before. My prayer is that when you would go to bed at night, you know that God's presence is with you and that he's there leading and protecting you and caring for you and loving on you. Amen. My, presence, my, my prayer is that when you are going through a bad day, you know the presence of God is still in your life and still with you. My, my prayer is that when you make bad decisions, that you know God still loves you, that his presence is still with you. Amen. Y'all ain't preaching to me. Y'all ain't talking to me up in this church today. Y'all got so quiet. I don't know what the problem is. But my prayer is that you would know that the voice and the hand of God and the presence of God is with you all the time, not just when you make good decisions, amen, and not just when you go to church. Hello. And not just when everybody getting on your nerves and your microphone working and you ain't got to fix the batteries and all that kind of stuff. I felt that in my spirit. The presence of God is with us. And the Bible teaches so much more about God's presence than us just talking about, the, you know, what we feel on Sunday and how the worship was and how church was. And, and I, man, listen, the room was electric. God was there. And then you go to a room where a preacher don't preach as, high, as hard as somebody else or he don't, or he don't uh, you know, shout and sweat and, and, and run and do all the antics. And then you say, well, God's present one on that. Why? Because we have now become, we put God's presence in our box, in our label and say, well, God's presence is there. Some people will tell me all day long that they don't, they don't think I, I'm preaching in God's presence because I don't sweat and holler and, and Huff and all that kind of stuff. Y'all, the devil's a lie. I done been in some rooms where some guys don't even say, they don't even get as loud as me. And you walk out of that room like, what just happened? 
Because the presence of God is not just a feeling. It's not just something that makes us excited. It's the presence of God challenges us. It, 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 it challenges us to the core. It, it, it challenges us about identity of who we are and here in Christ. And when we understand and get a true knowledge of how the presence of God works, our lives begin to shift like never before. Amen. So we're starting a new series called Young, Wild, Free. Why do we call it Young, Wild, and Free? Because I don't know about you. But I just believe that there's something about the presence of God that we have to approach it from a mindset of a child. Amen? When my, my children were little, they a little older now, so they a little wiser. <laughs> when they were little, they just run to daddy. I don't care what I was doing. Daddy, pick me up, pick me up. And I'd be like, yes, come here, baby, come here. Now they'd be like, get out of my way, daddy. Leave me alone. My daughter's, her birthday next weekend. She's going to be four years old. Amen. Y'all clap for that. Come on. Amen. She's turning four, and I'm excited about that. But anyways, I'm just kidding. She's turning 11, so she's getting, she's getting older on me. And, and, and sometimes I just be wanting to hug her and hold her and, you know, cuddle her for like eight hours a day. And she's like, no, 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 dad, not right now. Or if I go in the room, I want to give her like the big old lip kiss. Y'all dads know what I'm talking about. She's like, and I'm like, don't run, don't run. Come on, get all this lip right here. I'm finna kiss you and put a, I'm putting all the slob on your face. And, and so I just, you know, uh, but, but the truth is, I think there's something about the presence of God that makes us feel young again. Amen. I don't know about you, but as a dad, when I walk into the room, I want my kids, I don't care how old they get, to know that they are still my babies. Hello. You know what I'm talking about? I know sometimes you walk around, you be like, listen, go ahead, clean your room. You know, they're old enough, you get yourself a job, get on out of my house. <laughs> Amen. But it's something about when you get in the room with your children, you still want them to know that they're your children, that they can come to you with anything and love on you and ask you for anything. Amen. And it's something about being in that parental role that makes you feel like, uh, like, I mean, that makes a child feel that when they're in your presence, they can be young again. That if I mess up, if I make a mistake, my, my mom and my daddy, they're going to love me. Amen? Now, that ain't true for everybody, but, but you get what I'm saying. A good father, a good mother, will love their kids in spite of. Hello. And, uh, and so I feel like the presence of God... Because God is a good guy. He's a great guy. He's, he's way better than we could ever be to our children, amen, to us. And so, so being in God's presence and living and understanding that God's presence is part of our life makes us feel young again. Somebody say young. Why wow? Well, every time that we look in the scripture where we see somebody who's had an encounter with God, they kind of... Or don't fit the mold. <laughs> Amen. Let's put it that way. John the Baptist. Guess what John was at? Huh? Like a crazy man, the Bible called him. Out in the wilderness, by himself. I'm talking to y'all. <laughs> Got them eyes, too. John walking to church. Good morning. John, what you talking? What you think about John? God is good. 
Some of y'all like that right now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it makes you wild again. It, it, it really releases the chains to make you feel uh, wild. You know, you know when something's wild, it means it can't be tamed, right? And you know, the reality is most of us have gone to church and got tamed. When you should be going to church to get wild. You've connected with church and you've connected with ministries and they put you in their box and they put you in their little thing and they're right, you know, come on out just like we need you. And, and if you do that, we can add you to our number system and say you were a successful individual for how our processes work. We've gone to churches and we've connected with churches where they've tamed us. You raise your hand in church and you might get your head slapped. Also come around and boom. Put that hand out. Don't you ever raise that hand in here again. You get what I'm saying? You're looking at us like you're going to learn today. I miss So most of us go to church and we become tame when the Bible wants us to become wild. Somebody say wow. There's something about the presence of God that makes you feel wild, look wild. That doesn't let you fit in, in somebody else's box. An encounter, a true encounter with God changes everything. Amen. And then there's free. Somebody say free. free. Oh, well, free. What is free? Free is free. Free from man's opinion. Free from uh, people's thoughts. People. Uh, free from all these things that keep telling you that you can, what you can't be, and what you who you can be in Christ, and this and that. You know what I'm talking about. And many of us have gone to churches that have enslaved us to an idea of who we think Jesus is. Hello. And we think that Jesus is only a blesser and not a, a challenger. Come on. We think that Jesus is only here to make us feel good and not to, to cut on us a little bit so we can become better. Hello? Or we go to churches where we think that God is just, just restricting us from everything and we have to do absolutely nothing. We can't go to no church. We can't go to no movies. This is the church I grew up in. Y'all, 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 listen. Don't go to no movies. Hello? They call the TV the one-eyed demon. Y'all think I'm playing. I imagine, I can't imagine what they would have said about Netflix and the streaming service. Boy, they'd be like, ooh, y'all going to hell. You paying for all them streaming services. One-eyed demon. Watching that one-eyed demon every night. <laughs> Sorry. I thought I was watching TBN. I guess they demons. <laughs> Some of y'all are, but we ain't going to go down. Um. <clears throat> And some of us have gone to church and we've learned religion and it has enslaved us. But the presence of God is not about religion, it's about relationship. Hello? And in, in, in a true relationship and true encounter with God, you realize that he wants a relationship with you, not he doesn't want you to, to do things uh, according to, you know, because... If you do it, it might get you good graces with him. He wants you to do something because you love him. And he loves you. And that unconditional love drives you, come on somebody, to be uh, uh, obedient. 
and to listen and to go after the things of God. And when we learn that, that God wants us to have that kind of relationship, hello, it changes everything. But many of us go to churches that taught us religion and not relationship. So we're bound by change. We're free. So this is why we're doing a series called Young, Wild, and Free. That was a long intro. That means the message is going to be short. Shade like, boy, <laughs> you stealing your intro? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> Let's read. You ain't even read the scripture yet. <laughs> let's, let's read the scripture. Second Samuel chapter 6, uh, we're going to read verses 12 through 23. And it's going to be on the screen, but I'm reading from the message version. So I don't know what 15 and all that is, okay? So don't be calling me and say, what verse 14 say in the message version? I don't know. It's between 12 and 16, okay? 12 and 16 through 16 says, It was reported to King David that God had prospered Obed-Edom and his entire household because of the chest of God, or as one, uh, the, the translation that says, uh, it's actually the ark of God. So you're going to hear chest, but it's ark, okay? Message puts it in some relatable terms, right? I'm going to use ark. So when you see chest, I'm going to say ark. Prosper uh, Obed because and his entire household because of the ark of God. So David thought, I'll get that blessing for myself. And went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David, celebrating extravagantly all the way with frequent sacrifices of choice bulls. David, ceremonially dressed in priest linen, danced with great abandon before God. The whole country was with him as he accompanied the ark of God with shouts and trumpet blasts. But as the ark of God came into the city of David, Macau, Saul's daughter, happened to be looking out of the window when she saw King David leaping and dancing before God, her heart filled with scorn. They brought the, uh, the ark of God, uh, they brought the ark of God and sat it in the middle of the tent pavilion that David had pitched for. Then there, David um, offered, David worship offering, burnt offerings, and peace offerings. When David had completed the sacrifices, the burnt offering and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of God, of the God of the angel armies, and handed out to each person in the crowd. Listen to this. He blessed them, handing out to each one of them in the crowd, men and women alike, a loaf of bread, a date cake, and a raisin cake. Then everyone went home. David returned to his home. He returned home to his family to bless his family. Because Saul's daughter came out to greet him. How wonderfully the king has distinguished himself today, exposing himself to the eyes of the servant's maid like some burlap street dancer. Oh. Yeah. Like some burlap street dancer. And David replied to Michal, in God's presence, I'll dance all I want. He chose me over your father and the rest of our family. He made me prince over God's people for Israel. Oh, yes, I'll dance to God's glory more recklessly even than this. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll gladly, somebody say gladly, look like a fool. But among these maids you're so worried about, I'll be honored to no end. I'll be honored to no end. What is going on? Michal's daughter 
because Sal's daughter was buried the rest of her life. That's how that whole chapter ends. She was buried the rest of her life. I'm going to preach a message today, first installment in the series called The Comeback King. Somebody say The Comeback King. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say. I pray you speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Obey Edom and Samuel. Um, so in 1 Samuel 4, um, the Philistines uh, had captured the Ark of the Covenant of God, right? And it's also known as the Ark of God. And um, it was a very important object to the Israelites. I'm setting this up to go somewhere, okay? But they, they won this ark. They captured this ark, not won, but captured it, took it during a battle in which the Israelites lost. And then the Philistines took the ark into their own territory, and, and it led... When they took it into their territory, listen to this. The Bible explains it like this, that God attacked the Philistines with illness. <laughs> Come on. That's a violation to have something of God that you're not supposed to have. That's promised to somebody else. Um, and some of us, we, we, we covet. This is why the Bible says don't covet because we want somebody else's promise. And God is saying, what I promise you is what I promise you. You don't need what I promised them. So anyways, the Philistines, they get sick. They come down sick. God attacks them with sickness. Sounds harsh, but this is the Old Testament God. It's what he did. Act up, getting sick. Show out and send them bugs and all kinds of stuff to your dope cell. Amen. <laughs> so they got sick. And so when they realized it, uh, they, the, the Philistines realized that they couldn't uh, keep the ark. They, they probably need to let this go. <laughs> they put it on a, a cart, and they, it was carried by uh, two bulls, and they returned it to the Israelites as a peace offering. And then the Israelites took it to um, the house of Abinadab, and it's, the ark sat there for 20 years. It was there, Right? And so then what happens is after 20 years, King David decides that he's going to bring the ark from the house of Abinadab and he wants to bring it uh, to a new stronghold. And so the ark was put on an ox cart and it was driven by Uzzah and another guy called Ahio, not Ohio, Ahio. This is Abinadab's sons. And it was a, uh, they were, you know, it was festive. Things were happening. They were excited. We're taking the ark. And while they were going, at one point, the, the Bible says the ark began to rock violently. And it just began to, like it was going to fall off the cart. And then Uzzah put his hand out to steady the ark. And when he did that, 
God struck Uzzah dead. God wasn't playing no games about his presence. Amen. He struck him dead. So when that happened, David, out of fear, he decides, I'm leaving this thing. I'm not bringing this to, to, to my city because it's killing folk. <laughs> they then got sick. He, did, he put his head out and steady it, and he did. So David would not remove the ark of the Lord uh, into the city of David. So, but what he did, what he decided to do was carry it to Obed-Edom's house. Which, makes, which begs the question, if he felt like Obed-Edom was expendable. Because <laughs> I'm not bringing it here, but I'm going to dump this off on you, amen? And so he, he takes it to Obed-Edom and all his house. And when David hears about what's happening when the presence of the Lord is at Obed's house, he gets a little like, oh, okay, we got to do something about this. Because the Bible explains to us that when the ark shows up to Obed-Edom's house, it begins to bless his house like never before. Five years. Five years. It's there, and it's blessing Obed-Edom's socks off. Amen? So when David hears about this, he decides to get back to his original plan. He decides that he was going to go and uh, bring the ark to the city of David like he had originally planned. Amen. If we, skip, if we were to skip over to uh, 1 Chronicles 13, we would find kind of the same story. But it talks a little bit more about the death of Uzzah. Says in, in, in this text, it says that following the death of Uzzah, the Bible says this, and David was afraid that day. Listen, this is what happened. After Uzzah put his hand out to steady the ark, the Bible says that David was afraid, and, that, and David was afraid of God that day, saying, how shall I bring the ark of God home to me? So David removed not the ark from, from him unto the city of David, but carried to the house of Obed-Edom. And the ark of God remained, it was at Obed-Edom's house. I said five years, I'm going to correct that. It was there for three months. I'm going to say three months. And while it was there for three months, it blessed Obed-Edom like number four. His whole family was blessed. So while David had this, David began to build and do all these different things in the city of David to, to bring up... Uh, you know, as a preparation for, I guess, for how he was going to get that thing back there. Because when he heard that he was blessed, David began to prepare. So he began to build and do all these things. And, and, and I want to stop there for a minute and just, you know, a couple of things I want to say before we really dive into this. First of all, uh, the presence of God, and the presence of God does not and should not, and will never fit into our box. Matter of fact, I, I, would, I would go on to say that it's probably very harmful you, to you if you try and fit 
an encounter with God and how you want it to happen and not how God wants it to happen. Why am I saying this? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking this from this, this thought pattern from what happened with Uzzah because the Bible says that the art began to shake violently, right? And when it started shaking violently, Uzzah thought, well, I'm not going to let this drop I'm going to steady it and put it back on and put it back in its place. But let me tell you something. If God wants to move in your life and he doesn't want to do it in your confines, I don't care how uncomfortable it makes you feel, come on, do not try and to steady a move of God. Hello. Hello. For a lot of us and a lot of churches and a lot of pastors and a lot of us in our own personal life, we've been trying our best to steady a move of God. And because we don't understand it, we're like, God, what are you doing right now? I don't, I don't even know what's happening. Why does it feel like things are going crazy and stuff is all over the place? And God said, that's me moving. But you keep trying to put me back in place. And a lot of us need to get away from this idea that God has to move within the confines of our mindset and the confines of our what we're comfortable with and how we're comfortable and, and how we feel in certain moments. We got to get away from that because God wants to move in a way that you've never seen before. And he cannot do that if you are so conscious of making him sure that he stays within your confines. God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as it don't cost me my comfort, my place of comfort. God, I love everybody in condition except for that person. God, I'm a, I, Jesus, I want to be just like you until somebody messes up and I don't agree with what they're doing and I have no clue how to say it and I just feel like maybe I just use a certain scripture to prove my point and I'll be okay. I just said a lot. Amen? What if God wants to move in your life and what if he wants to shake some things up in your life and what if he wants you to see a new play, a way that he loves people and what if he wants to show you something new about him and how graceful he is but he does it in a way and through a person that you wouldn't necessarily agree with. Can you get out of your comfort zone or do we have to be pushing the presence of God back into our box? Hello. So that's the first thing I want you to just think about right there. But the other thing is that this, uh, uh, that David began to build in preparation. I think for a lot of us, first of all, we're either trying to start a move of God and trying to steady it and trying to put it in our box, or we are unprepared for a move of God. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's not so much that you, you're trying to put it in your box. Maybe your box is just too small. Well, I, I've been asked, I've been praying for God to do this and praying for God to do that, but you ain't did no prep. All praying, no prep. 
Hello? God, heal my body. Work out. Oh, I felt that. God, heal my body. Put the fried chicken down. I really felt that. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I'm believing for God to give me a husband. Really? Huh? Looking like that. <laughs> well, I don't mean, well, that baby. You need to do something. Come on, somebody. I'm giving the guy give me a wife. Are oh, you really? Looking like that. <laughs> you need to do something. Many of us don't we our beliefs don't line up with our actions. And we're not prepping. We're not even prepared for what God may want to do in our life. What if he wants to send a husband? What if he wants to send a wife? Are you prepared? Are you drowning in debt? Because, you know, everybody can't be blessed with an Aaron Giles. I'm just saying. She came to me. I was drowning in debt and everything else. (laughs) Come on. And she saved me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) People always be like, man, you married into a rich family. No, I didn't. No, she was broke like I was broke. We got together and we were double broke. Huh? She just had better credit. I did marry a great credit score. I'll say that. <laughs> then I ruined it. Come on. <laughs> Y'all don't like that truth. You don't like that truth. But we do. We need to prepare for a move of God. Maybe God wants to do some stuff in your life, but you ain't prepared for it. Praying and praying and praying and no prepping. Amen? And God wants to do something in our lives, but we got to be ready for it. I want to talk about for, just to close this out, the need for today, the need for God's presence. Because when we look at the scripture, we're talking about the comeback king. And I'm talking about how David brought the presence of God back to the city of David. And he did it even after being fearful and all, not knowing what was going to happen. He still made a choice to go after and do, uh, and to get the presence of God back into the nation where he was in charge. Amen? And I think it's very vital and important that we understand that even through fear and anguish and, and death and calamity and all kinds of stuff that happened, David still took the steps necessary to get the presence of God back. I want to stand there for a minute, stop there and encourage you that no matter what you're facing or what you're going through, no matter how hard it may seem, don't give up. Do everything you can. Get, get, listen, God still wants to encounter us no matter what we're going through or what we're facing or what our current situation is. And let me tell you something. As long as God wants to encounter you, you got to do what you need to do to get into that encounter because God can change your life. He can do amazing things. And you got to start putting aside a man's opinion and all these different things so you can have that encounter with God. Because we need, somebody say we need, we need, say it loud, we need the presence of God. A couple of things about the need for the presence of God. I want to say this, first of all, what we build 
needs to be, and I left out an S, so y'all forgive my typing, but it needs to be connected to God's presence. Somebody say connected. I want to I say this as, as I say this. See, we can build, but we cannot bless. We can build. Somebody say that. But we cannot bless. When we look at the scripture, the Bible says that when the ark started coming back in the city, guess what David started doing? David started blessing the people. When the ark came back, David started blessing the people. How incredible is that? They had built all this stuff, all these different things. They were building and preparing and doing all this stuff. But as soon as the presence of God came, it didn't come just for the builders. It came bringing blessings. So when the presence of God showed up, it went from building to blessing. The king went from building a great city to blessing the people. Somebody say, we can build, but we cannot bless. When the ark returned, there's a shift in David's mentality. He transitioned from building a great kingdom for the people to blessing the people in the kingdom. And I want to say this. All the things that we build, absence of God's presence, are without the blessing that his presence brings. What do you mean? What are you getting at? I'm saying we can build a great church. But it won't be a blessed church without God's presence. Y'all going to preach with me up in here today. We can build a solid family unit. But it won't be a blessed family unit without God's presence. We can build great wealth. But it won't be blessed without God's presence. We can build great programs. But they won't be blessed. Without God's presence. We can drive the nicest car and live in the nicest house. But it won't be blessed without God's presence. What am I saying? If we want sustaining blessings, we have to have God's presence. Because see, God's presence is the sustaining factor in the lives that we build. Apart from his presence, what we build will expire. But connected to his presence, what we build will bless us and live on beyond us and in the lives of those around us where we have influence. Notice here that David goes from building a great city. And listen, they built great cities, but those great cities aren't around today. Those buildings don't are not around today. You know why? Because they will expire. Anything that man builds will eventually fall down, will tear down. This is why the Bible says, well, two and more come to an agreement that I'm in the midst of it. Why? Because God is saying that no, no agreement that you have, if, it's, if it doesn't have me in it, it won't sustain. Come on, somebody. This is why the Bible talks about when marriage, he says, listen, uh, uh, it's a three-strand cord, not easily broken. What God brings together, let no man tear apart. Why? Because when God is in it, Nothing can break it apart. Amen. But for most of us, we spend our time building our own stuff, getting our own stuff, doing this, and then we want to show up and say, God, you bless it. No, God says, I don't bless what you built. I bless what I made. 
Notice what's not happening in the scripture. Y'all, y'all listen. I, I'm about to, I'm going to land this plane a little bit. What's, listen, what's not happening in the scripture. When David shows up in uh, the city of David with the ark of God, he does not go lay hands on the buildings. He is not running around blessing the building. He ain't blessing the stuff that they built. You know, he's blessing the people. Who are the people? The people who God made. Because God can never bless an object that we build. He only blesses what he made. What God put together. What God constructed. What he worked out. What he put together. The clay that he took and, 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 and formed. God blesses that. Not our service structures, not our lights, not our keyboards, not our drums, none of that. He blesses the people. And we can build great programs, we can build all these great things. But if it's absence of God, if it's absence of God's presence, it will fade away. This is why a pandemic can happen and churches can close their doors. Because it wasn't ever built on God's presence. It might have been built on a person, but not his presence. Next thing is this, the presence of God needs to be celebrated. Somebody say, needs to be celebrated. Say it loud. The presence of God needs to be celebrated. The presence of God will never be held to the limits of human constraints. I told you the story about Uzzah. Even with good intentions, we are never to constrain the presence of God. Uzzah, with his good intentions, ended up dead. Because he's trying to steady the presence of God. No, don't do that. Good intentions... Come on, somebody, or not. And we do this in our churches, and we do it in our personal lives. We do it, especially in churches. Oh, y'all too charismatic over there. Y'all doing too much. Y'all celebrating way too much. That's way too much going on. I need y'all to sit down. I don't know who I just sounded like, but I sounded like so. <laughs> that accent came out strong, right? Don't you raise your hand in this church. We might slap you in the back of your head. You better not say amen out loud. Well, my church don't do all that. And because y'all do all that, y'all too charismatic, that ain't God. Uh, excuse me. Show me in the Bible where you read where God showed up and it was quiet. I haven't found one time where God or Jesus shows up on the scene and it's quiet. There's no reaction. Either people are weeping or they're rejoicing or they're mad. <laughs> yeah. But you never see people quiet. Jesus showed up like, don't happen. The presence of God needs to be celebrated. And it's happening in the church. It's happening in our personal lives. Most of us go to church and we don't even celebrate God no more. We don't even lift our hands. We don't even celebrate the presence of God anymore. 
We feel so uncomfortable worshiping. And we got to get away from that, man. We got to get back to a, an intimate encounter with God. And then most of us don't even, we can't do this. We get uncomfortable worshiping rooms where there's not, where it's not packed and it's not loud. Right? So you go to a church like ours and there's a few, a handful of people there and you're like, I don't know. And you know what? I'm like, do you, uh, listen, when you're married, you don't have a thousand people in your bedroom. You know what I mean, married folk. Come on. You ain't got an audience. Hello. But you okay to have that encounter. You ain't feeling all uncomfortable. Hey, what's up, girl? Uh. But we come to church and then, you know, it's a handful of people that we feel uncomfortable. I don't know if I would raise my hand because I don't want nobody looking at me like I'm just uh, Get yourself. It's you and God. It's about you and God. You should be able to go to any room, any time, any place, and still have a moment and an encounter with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's not dependent on the room that you're in. It's not dependent on the people that are around you. It's dependent about the God that you serve, that you claim to love, that you are so head over heels in love with. And that same God wants to be with you in a packed room or an unpacked room. It doesn't matter. He's with you in your car, in your house, in your job, in the bathroom when you taking a number two. You know what I'm saying? You dropping the deuces. God is still there. Amen. That's the presence of God. It needs to be celebrated. Somebody said celebrate. I, I, I wrote this down. I wonder how our reactions to God's presence would change if we praise him from a place of the revelation of the grace of God that's on our lives. See, David comes back in, and when he walks back in, the Bible says that Micah, Saul's daughter, is all upset, and she's mad because he, you know, he the, he running around acting crazy, jumping wild, and, and he's got on priest garment, not his kingly garments. He's out there in his priestly garments, come on, and he's jumping and, and, and dancing, as she said, like a burlap street dancer. Which means she said, you acting like one of the people that we're supposed to be in charge of. You acting like one of the bottom feeders. You out here dancing around like a bottom feeder, David. You are the king, but you acting like you are nobody. And David says to her, girl, you don't have a clue. I, When I begin to think about where God brought me from, when I begin to look back and say that I don't deserve any of this, when I begin to realize that God chose me in my little redhead self, why? He chose me over your daddy and all my brothers and my whole family. When I look at that, I can't do nothing but act like a nobody in his presence. I will dance and I will rejoice because why? I don't deserve any of this. I don't deserve this. And David says, girl, I don't even deserve this. And if I need to, I'll get even crazier. Why? Because I need you to know that I recognize this ain't got nothing to do with me. It's all God. And I wonder for a moment if we would take a moment when we come into church or when we get out of our car or when we wake up in the morning or when we have 
an encounter with God and we have a moment, I wonder if we just begin to think about, see, listen, I wonder if on Sunday when you came in here, you would not just come in here like, well, I'm just going to church. I wonder if you would think and realize, you know what? I'm about to get a chance to worship God the, 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 like never before. And not just God. I'm about to get a chance to worship the God that saved me from my sin and shame. I'm about to get a chance to lift up the king of kings, the king that showed up in my life at my, my, my darkest moment and told me there was hope. I'm about to get a chance to worship the God who, who came into my life and told me that it's not over for me. When everybody walked away from me, he said, I'm not done with you. I got some other plans for you. I'm about to get a chance to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, not just anything, not just any God, but the God who died on the cross for my sins. I didn't deserve this death. I didn't deserve this love. I don't deserve any of this, but he still loves me. I wonder how our worship would change. I wonder how our worship would change. I wonder how our praise would change. I wonder if we would begin to lift our hands and say, God, you are worthy. I don't care who's looking. I'll be loud. I'll be obnoxious. I'll get on people's nerves. I'll clap. I'll lift my voice. I'll scream. I'll holler. I'll let the world know that you've been good to me no matter what. This is what we got to get to, people. We got to get away from trying to, you see, this is what we do. We come to church, and we think we deserve to be at church, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, God. <laughs> you, you forgot you didn't deserve the car that drove you drove in over here. You didn't deserve the house you woke up in. You didn't deserve the breath that you took this morning to wake up and get out of your bed. You didn't deserve the bed you slept in. You didn't deserve any of it, but God has been gracious enough to give it to you, and you come to church, and you stand there like, huh? Oh, I'm preaching up in the house. I'm preaching. Because we'll come to church and we'll stand like this and then we'll judge people who are too loud. Oh, they get on my nerves. They're too loud. I'm going to need them to be quiet during worship. They sing way too loud, getting on my nerves, all up in my ear. Get yourself out of here with your unholy self. You know what? You too silent. Well, don't judge my worship. Well, stop judging other people's worship. Because some people were, are worshiping out of knowing where they could be. They, they could be sleeping in their grave. They could be out on the street, homeless. They could be this and that. They could be in jail or, or restricted. You know what I'm saying? That's why people, you don't know somebody's story. And so you can't keep passing judgment on their worship. And we do it. And we do it. And most of us who pass judgment on other people's worship are passing it from a place of thinking that we are better than them somehow because we don't do all that. It don't take all that. It takes that and more. Come on, somebody. David recognized the grace and mercy of God when he brought the ark home and he celebrated. And listen to this. Whew. And the Lord gave me this word, this revelation right here. He said, most of us want to carry the presence of God, but we don't want to celebrate it. The presence of God is not just to be carried. It's to be celebrated. 
It's got to be both carried and celebrated. When they brought the ark back in, they were carrying the weight and the glory of God, the very, very manifest presence of God that carrying it. But you know what was happening around it? They were celebrating. Why? Because it's meant to be carried and celebrated. Carried and celebrated. I want to end by saying this. We need to desire the presence of God more than we want man's prominence. McCall, King Saul's daughter, she, she cared for David. She cared for David. She, she had a healthy care for David, at least in the opening days of their relationship. But she didn't care for God. She valued the uh, the royal estate and all the things that came with being a part of the royal family. She placed value on that. She placed value on, you know, the wealth of the king and the wealth of being part of the, the royal family. That's where she placed our value. So when she looks out her window, she sees David, as she calls it, looking like a bottom feeder. It kind of threw her for a loop because she's like, you the king. We're not supposed to be looking like that. We ain't supposed to be acting like that. We ain't supposed to be dressing like that. This sounds more and more like some of us Christians. Because we love to look at people and say, oh, I get it all the time. Pastor, Pastor Fred, I, you know, I just don't, I don't know if I agree with all the stuff that y'all do. And we got to get to the point where David looks at her, and it sounds really harsh, and David basically tells her, girl, go sit down somewhere, take several seats, because I'm so tired of hearing people telling me over and over, time after time, that I, I, it's got to be this way. So she's upset, she's mad, and she, she, she goes off on David. She, she liked the, the finer things in life, right? She was that person. So she cared for all the finer things in life, but she didn't care for God. And because she didn't care for God, she realized, she forgot, and she realized that more important than David or whatever David could ever offer her, above David was the Lord God. 
So she'd rather settle for what the king could give her, the human, this man could give her, versus the presence of God. So, so, so here she is, and she settles for this, and she's like, "I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to." She, she goes off on David, and David looks at her and says, "You know, I'll, I'll be even more undignified. I, this ain't even nothing, girl. You ain't seen nothing. Why? Because I don't deserve this. I don't, I don't have, to, I don't deserve this at all." And I love what David said. He says, "And, and, and the, the, the maids that you're so worried about, since you." want to act like you're worried about people because we do that when we're really in it to protect ourselves we try to put our passion on other people see what she did she really was concerned about herself and her stature and her status but she decided I'm going to act like I'm concerned about the main servants okay so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say to him you're out there dancing what are these maid servants going to think? Now, she's really concerned about how she felt. She wanted to express her feeling, but she tried to put it on them. And David says, as far as them, they're going to be all right. They will see how much a blessing this is. They're going to be fine. You know why he said this? Listen, why? Because when David began to bless the people, he began to bless everyone. And see, the presence of God is not limited to just us. What do you mean, Fred? I think sometimes for a lot of us, we think we get saved and then God's, we got a cap, we have a, a we have the, 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 we have the, whatever, the advantage on God's presence, the advantage. And so we think, oh, because I'm saved and they not. They'll never experience the presence of God. But let me tell you something. God's presence is chasing every single person on this earth. Saved, unsaved, far from God, atheist, not, uh, gay, straight, whatever it may be. He is going after all of us. He wants a relationship with all of us. And that's why I say it prevail, all people welcome, because we believe that everybody should have a chance and a moment to have an encounter with the king. Amen. Because I don't care who you are, no matter what, I can't change you. I can preach my face off and I can share a word and I can tell you my opinion over and over but I will never be able to really get down in the fight with you so you can change what it is that God wants to change that is between you and God and you have to have an encounter with the Lord you know my my role is as a pastor I've been telling people this for the last few weeks and because I get this question quite often because, you know, there's some things that's been some transitions, some stuff that's happening in the church and people are going, what, what's going on? And I'm telling them that my role as a pastor is to facilitate a move and an encounter with God that all people, somebody say all people, what is all people? Everybody can have an encounter with God. I'm just here to facilitate the move just here to help point you in the right direction but if you put the weight on me to change who you are I'm a fail 
every single time. Because it's not my place. Amen? It's not my job. It's between you and God. And David looks at him and says, girl, I'm going to bless them. <laughs> Listen, I think two reasons why David said this. First of all, he said, don't be, I ain't worried about them. First of all, I'm not worried about them because I'm not worried about what people think about me. I know what I'm, why I'm rejoicing. I'm not rejoicing for them. I'm rejoicing because of what God has done in my life. I'm rejoicing for God. He says it. He said, this ain't for them. This is for God. Somebody say, it's for God. Some of y'all need to get to the point where you say, this ain't about y'all. This is about God. Amen? But why are you going over to that church? It's about God. It ain't about you. Amen? So he says that, and then he says, uh, he said, they're going to be all right. And I think the second time he's, the second thing is he's saying, I'm, I'm demonstrating to them that God wants them as well. This is why he's dressed not in his priestly garment. He's dressed in his, I mean, he's dressed in his priestly garment, not his kingdom garment, his kingdom garment. Why? Because they are seeing him as relatable. They're now looking at the king. Listen to this. They're looking at the king. Rejoice. The presence of God looking like them. David the king dancing before the Lord looking like me. I think this is huge for them for him to demonstrate to them that God's presence is for all of us. Somebody say all of us. Not just when I got my priest, my kingly garment on. He didn't come here for the upper class, just for the upper class. He didn't come here just for the middle class. He didn't come here for the top, whoever, whatever class. He came here for all of us. All of us. Amen. So he brought the king back. He brought the ark back, and we get this beautiful picture of a king now young, wild, and free. Young, wild, and free. Come back, King. Came back to his first, his first love. Won't you stand with me? God, I thank you for everyone on the sound of my voice. I thank you for those. Sorry, guys. For those watching, those listening, those. No matter what time it is, it's maybe, they may be listening by podcast or watching in the app, and it may be weeks from now. But I thank you, God, that we begin to have an encounter with you before, like we have before. I thank you that we will see your hand and your grace and your mercy. We understand that you are for us. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of your people. You are great. You are good. You are amazing. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, 
Visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.